Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Well, welcome to Brighton and this special Labour Party conference edition of the Times Opinion podcast. In a little while, I'll be speaking to Matthew Paris, Lucy Fisher and Marcus Roberts, looking at where Labour is at this momentous conference, Jeremy Corbyn's first as leader, of course. But uh, joining me first of all on the Brighton seafront is Andy Burnham, the Shadow Home Secretary. Well, welcome to a very sunny, bright uh, Brighton, and I'm here with the Shadow Home Secretary, Andy Burnham. Thanks very much, Andy, for joining You're us. You're welcome. And, um, this wasn't, of course, what you were expecting. Uh, no. You were hoping for something else, um, but you made the big decision to serve in Jeremy Corbyn's team. The fringe has been alive with people who haven't agreed to, to serve. You have... No regrets about that decision? No regrets about being associated with a, a leadership that has been apologetic for the IRA in the past and uh, won't stand up to sing God Save the Queen? And No regrets at all? Well, it's true that I was planning to be doing something different today. I was about to be uh, delivering my big speech. But no, here I, here I am. And no, I don't have any regrets um, at all, Tim. I uh, have always uh, stood for... Uh, the unity of the party. My view is, my simple view, is that a Labour government of any complexion, any complexion, uh, is better for my constituents in Lee, and therefore I will always do whatever I can to sustain the Labour Party. Mm. And, um, you know, it would have been very hypocritical for me to have said that during the leadership election and then to have walked away afterwards. So, yeah. no, I, um, I am working hard to support Jeremy, uh, to, um, to, to bring the party together. And I think you can feel that. The party does feel pretty, um, pretty united and pretty vibrant. Actually. It's certainly very upbeat. There's a, certainly a, a positive mood. But yeah. is there sort of an air of unreality about that? You know, you just suffered a very big defeat earlier this year at the, at the general election. The opinion polls say that the leader that you have chosen is less popular than Ed Miliband, the, the man who led you to defeat at the, the last election. Sure, 250,000 people were enthused to vote for Jeremy Corbyn, but over 11 million people voted Conservative at the last election. You're talking to quite a small number of enthused people, but they're not necessarily representative of the country. There is, of course, a risk of that. Let's be clear about it. There is, of course, a risk of that. And yet, I think the public want to see a change in politics. And Jeremy certainly represents that. They're, they're sick of the spin, aren't they? They, they? they are. They're sick of the sound bites. They want clash of ideas and philosophy again, like we used to have in the old days. And I think the public, to be honest with you, once they get to know Jeremy, once they get the feel of this change, will, I think, warm to it. I think are beginning to uh, warm uh, to it. And I think that's the problem, really, for the Conservative Party. You know, the kind of call across the country is for more authentic politics, you know, kind of getting rid of these tactics that all the parties have used around managing the news and yep. uh, the presentation coming before the principle. I think that's, you know, the, the change that's got to come. And the danger for the Tories, of course, is to kind of look, thinking that this is a change that they can laugh at on the mm. sidelines. And actually, it may leave them on the wrong side of the current mood in politics. You say it's authentic, Andy, but we've had throughout the leadership race. You were there at the hustings with Jeremy Corbyn, but he made all sorts of Eurosceptic noises um, during those hustings. And then as soon as he becomes leader, under the pressure of Hillary Benn, perhaps, 
He's now said, under all circumstances, Labour will campaign to stay in the European Union. He campaigns against Trident in the leadership race and then it sort of is kicked into the long grass when he becomes becomes leader. Are we seeing real authenticity or are we already beginning to see retreats from the kind of message that energised people to get him elected? I think the authenticity comes with saying, here's my view, but I'm in a political party and we've got to work out a solution together. That's the real world, isn't it? And I think mm. sometimes political parties have given a pretense that it's not like that, that everybody's on the same message and we're all pumping it out and we're all uh, speaking it. And that, I think, is what has alienated people because mm. it's put people on TV screen saying stuff that the public think oh, well he doesn't believe what he's saying and I think this is this is the the, the, um, uh, the the new style that Jeremy has brought and I think it will be um, welcomed by people you know on, on Europe I did press him on the hustings I specifically asked him once or twice would you ever vote to leave and to be fair to him while he expressed concerns about the European Union he never said he would so you know I think his position on Europe is very consistent and does fit with the um, the wider mood of the um, of the party. In terms of the influence that you want to have one of your big themes in the campaign was a wanted to take a slightly tougher uh, approach on immigration and my understanding is that Jeremy Corbyn one of the reasons he said he entered the race was because he disagreed with you on that and yet now you're his shadow home secretary how's that going to work who's going to prevail in that well there's view? common ground here because I was just mentioning a moment ago Jeremy's concerns about Europe and his concern of Europe that puts multinationals before people you know a Europe that's a race to the bottom and I think you've got to see the immigration debate in that context a free market in labor across Europe in my judgment has widened inequality because yes it has uh, prompted and pushed the growth of the big economic centers but we've seen in those former industrial areas the undercutting of wages and so you've had this kind of widening inequality that has come from the current um, unregulated free movement of labor across Europe so there is common ground to be found here uh, and what I will be talking about at this conference is how do we have new rules as part of the renegotiation that puts a floor under people so for instance how do we protect the going rate of the skilled workforce and that is I think a position that can bring the view that maybe I represent and the view that Jeremy represents uh, together. That's quite a big repudiation of the new Labour years where immigration was encouraged on a large scale as a almost universally good thing. Mistakes were definitely made in that era and I you know this is not a new I'm not a new convert to saying that I've said this over many years I mean I said at the 2010 leadership election you know I've obviously got to form here and I've stood before I said back then that I couldn't justify to my constituents in Lee the sending back of child benefit across mm. Europe so I've been on this for some time and I've been encouraging the party to to listen more uh, to our own voters in those former industrial uh, communities that have seen their own lives and wages undercut by um, by uh, the unregulated free movement of labor lots of people will say that sounds quite a UKP position not at all because I'm very clear that um, staying in Europe uh, is in the best interests of this country uh, nobody uh, nobody will have their jobs enhanced by the rhetoric of, of UKIP yeah, we stay in, but we get changes to make it work for everybody. We want a Europe that's a social Europe, a people's Europe, a Europe that puts a floor under people. And this is the difference between ourselves, the Tories, and certainly UKIP. Um, they are talking about whittling away people's protections. Well, we're, we're going to argue for the opposite, staying in a people's Europe uh, that really um, that is about 
protecting them rather than uh, about making it easy for, for uh, multinationals to, to make huge profits. And how long has Jeremy Corbyn got as Labour leader? Dan Jarvis, Tristram Hunter talking about next year's London elections as being a particularly important test for, for you. If you can't win London, a Labour city, um, and the mayoralty, is that curtains? No, definitely not. I mean, you know, all leaders face tests, and if I had been leader, I would have been looking at those events as big milestones. And of course, you have to show progress. I think at those at those events, you do. But no, to put a, a timetable on it like that, I think is is utterly utterly wrong. Jeremy has won with a huge mandate. Of course, you know, a huge mandate. This party has been crying out for change. It is now enjoying the change that is coming uh, as a result of Jeremy's election. So, no, absolutely not. I think... Um, He's got the whole uh, five years of this parliament safe, well, think, in your view? Well, I, you know, I said this myself. I mean, I wouldn't have assumed that I would have had the whole five years. You know, you've got to show the party that you're moving it forward. And this is the big challenge, actually. I mean, you know, I sit in the middle, if you like. I'm, I'm a loyal Labour person. I've never aligned myself, if you like, with the left of the party completely or the right. I've kind of mm. always put the Labour cause first. And I think each side of the party's got to learn from each other. My, my message to the right of the party is, you know, listen to this call for a new kind of politics, you know, more authenticity, uh, a, a Labour Party that puts principle before presentation. That's what this party wants now, and mm. the right of the party has to hear that. But my message to the left of the party is, you know, yes, let's have radical ideas to inspire people, but those ideas have got to be electable. We've mm. got to have ideas that can pass that test at a general election. So, you know, both sides have got to kind of listen, if you like, to the other and uh, bring forward an, a, an agenda, a Labour agenda, that can win elections for our party. And that is obviously the big, big test. And, you know, we, we, it's beholden on all of us to work towards, um, to, towards the success of that. And talking of big, big tests and the most important question of all, Everton will be playing Man United <laughs> soon. Are you um, optimistic? Yes, I am. Uh, I, Everton's uh, fortunes are um, a, bit, a bit rosier than my uh, uh, the, the mine in recent uh, in recent times. Um, no, they, they they're beginning to play well, and uh, it's great it's great to see. And um, it can't be long, can it now? Until Rooney is back in a blue shirt permanently. He had a little taste in the summer, and uh, he clearly enjoyed it. So um, we're we're well. The prodigal son is on the way home, and Everton are on the up. Blue supporter Andy Burnham. Thank you very, thank you much, very much, indeed. Well, I now have a gathering of great minds to uh, reflect on what we've seen so far of the Labour Party conference. I have my fellow columnist, uh, Matthew Paris, one of our political team, Lucy Fisher, and ex-Labour staffer and Red Box contributor, Marcus Roberts. Um, can I start with you, Matthew? You've been super critical of Jeremy Corbyn's politics, but you're finding the conference experience, if I'm right, somewhat liberating oh, and absolutely. In, in, you're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. The Labour Party is being taken off in a mad direction, but I just feel like a boy in a sweet shop. I've been coming to Labour conferences for about 28 years and the sense of control in the past, the kind of in-your-face security, the, the padded shoulders on the women and the smart suits on the men and the, <laughs> the somebodies with comet tails behind them and, and the, the vacuous language and the over-polished prose and the sort of hollowness underneath, I just found so oppressive. And this is 
It's just like Liberation Day. It's, I, I love the sound of breaking glass. <laughs> and how is that manifesting itself? Is it Because we're not seeing a return to the 80s and great debates on the conference stage, are we? We're actually not seeing much confrontation on issues like the Trident vote. The unions have been a moderating influence and have, have pulled it back. A lot of the delegates here actually were chosen by constituency Labour parties before they knew Jeremy Corbyn was, was leader. So it's not as radical as it was in those Ben Healy foot days. No, it isn't radical and it isn't yet rancorous either, which it no doubt will become. But at the moment, there is just a feeling, I think, of the lid having been taken off. Some people are supporters of the old regime. Quite a few Labour Party members, though, a majority, voted for Jeremy Corbyn. And there's, it's the sense of possibility rather than the clash of debate at the moment that mm. I think dominates this conference. Lucy Fisher, are you enjoying it as much as um, Matthew? How many party conferences have you done, by the way? You, uh, this is you... only my second round, All second right, so, year of doing so them. So Matthew beats you 20. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Different from anything you've seen in your more limited experience Well, um, it is, and, and it's interesting. I, uh, I appreciate what Matthew says. There's um, a sense of liberation. But the flip side of that is that there seems to be a lot of uncertainty. Talking to MPs, no one's really quite sure um, what's happening. On the one hand, Jeremy Corbyn is talking a lot about democratising uh, the party, but that means he's not really going out of his way to guide, um, let alone set, uh, policy. Um, and I think uh, as well as letting go of that command and control style politics, there's also a power vacuum. Who's really leading the party? Uh, some people think that John MacDonald, who is widely regarded as having a lot more intellectual heft, the new shadow t- chancellor, is he the sort of the kingmaker sort of running the show? There are sort of questions around a lot of people on the fringes, people like John Landsman, who runs the uh, campaign for Labour Party democracy, um, some union uh, head honchos, Len McCluskey's walking around with a, a swing in his step. So so who, who's in charge is, is a question. And Marcus Roberts, you're... You're the partisan one amongst us. You're a Labour supporter. Can you enjoy the sound of breaking glass in the way that others can? Well, Matthew may think that it's 1944 or 45 with Liberation Day, but I think the year is more like 1939. It's the start of the phony war in the Labour Party. And each side, the Corbynistas and all that oppose him, and there are an I awful lot of groups. I got told off, by the way, yesterday at a fringe meeting for calling someone a Corbynista. It's almost like it sounds like Sandinista. Yes. It's not <laughs> a coincidence it either. Was, so there, you, apparently a Corbynite is the authorised um, way of describing a Corbynista. They're supporter. already adopting message <laughs> discipline. <laughs> the thing about the battle lines to come, though, are that on the one hand, you have those who believe 
this thing that is Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell and their, quite frankly, I think, dangerous for, for the hopes of a future Labour government politics must be stopped and stopped fast. So you have pe people like Peter Kellner, the president of YouGov, going around saying you don't need to wait on a whole lot of polling data. We know that the British people reject this. On the other hand, you have the field marshals of Labour's old right, people like John Speller MP, who say you need to step back, let them have their moment, and wait for them to fail. That the internal contradictions of Corbynism will bring it to an end, mm. and that patience is required. So there's a clash even amongst those that oppose Corbyn as to what the strategy should be to take him on. I think Tory HQ was slightly anxious in the first 72 hours of the Corbyn operation because it did look super incompetent and they thought it might collapse quite quickly. And when they see Jeremy Corbyn do well on Andrew Marr's programme, which he did, when they see them managing away disputes like on Trident, they begin to think, actually, this project could last quite a long time. And Tories are quite encouraged by that from a narrow partisan perspective. So that speller strategy you set out of waiting, it, they might have a long wait. Further proof of the phony nature of the war right now. There's a lot of fake smiles and for all the talk of Liberation Day again and freedom, actually I think a lot of what is going on here is the muscle memory of a party that is automatically loyal to the leader. And so people go through the motions of saying things like, didn't he do well on Mar? Or wasn't the Shadow Chancellor's speech better than expected? Whereas the reality is the reality. This is quite a dangerous moment for the Labour Party and I think it's telling that the people who are truly happiest at this Labour Party conference are our Conservative friends and allies in the press. <laughs> and is at the moment, Lucy Fisher, is this a triumph of style over substance in some sense? Because um, we haven't had any big announcements, have we? We've not. We've had a clues towards rail nationalisation, mm -hmm. but mainly we've had attacks on the media. We've said we're going to be more democratic as a party, and we're going to listen more, we're not going to do personal attacks. Is this a, a good first impression for Jeremy Corbyn to, to give, or would you have expected something bolder? Well, obviously, um being a journalist, you you, you want uh, you want uh, to hear policy announcements and to get a better sense of the direction um, that he's going to go in. It is a new regime, and I think they, they do need space. But it is extraordinary, as you say, um, many of the Corbynites uh, are praising. Uh, uh, yesterday I heard people saying, wow, I've never heard anything like that. In actual fact, it wasn't a particularly radical speech. A lot of people said it was less radical than what uh, Ed Balls was uh, expanding last year. Uh, so yeah, I think it is style. People in the pubs last night were talking about nothing else other than the review into the Treasury. Yes. <laughs> But on that question of style, I think it's interesting. Uh, yesterday, I noticed that John McDonald's speech, uh, it had verbs in. Uh, mm. It had real paragraphs, um, in, <laughs> which is, which is um, a rarity these days. But interestingly, uh, Jeremy Corbyn's speech, the, the words we were sort of briefed uh, didn't have verbs. We've seen in The Sun today quite a fun story, you know, a row going on in his camp over where he, whether he should wear a suit or not. Mm. So it looks like there is this move to try and professionalise the image uh, somewhat, which, which could see some of the lustre... Uh, come off this authenticity, sort of slightly bumbling, grassroots style. What's your answer, Marcus Roberts, to the question that um, Lucy poses, who is in charge? Because we are actually seeing Jeremy Corbyn give a lot of ground to his shadow cabinet on something like the European Union. The unions seem to have pushed him away from a vote 
on Trident. There's the question Lucy raises that John McDonnell, the man who always stood for the leadership repeatedly, you know, is he the real power in the, the Corbyn camp? And uh, Jeremy Corbyn is almost the accidental leader. Who, who's in charge or is no one in charge? Power is split between the leader's office, the party establishment, which still controls most of the party machinery, and also, critically, let's not forget the role of the deputy leader, the uh, highly rated insider Tom Watson. Um, power lies in all of those different places, as well as in, in places like the, the trade unions and also in the dwindling number of high-value donors that the party has and needs to keep if it's to remain solvent. What will happen next, though, is... The different factions will trade at different times space for time whilst they develop their strategy and prepare for an actual confrontation. And that confrontation will likely come on the part of the party leadership in the form of appealing over the heads of the party machine to the delegates themselves or even the membership themselves through a series of direct democracy initiatives mm -hmm. saying, what do you think about Trident? What do you think about welfare? That's the danger moment for the party. That's the moment at which the MPs risk being completely overruled and sidestepped. The leader's office and the Corbynistas know that they can actually wait until the time comes to play that ultimate trump card. And that's why the onus in the next round of combat will be on those that oppose Jeremy Corbyn to not just oppose him procedurally, but find a way to win the hearts and minds of members to their positions. Okay. Ma Ma Matthew Paris, um, have you seen anything here that the Tories should worry about? Have you seen anything that you think should be emulated by the Tories? Honesty. There is, there's, there's honesty in debate at the moment. You, you did feel that John McDonnell was telling us what he thought. Uh, that, that sense of uh, things not being crafted, I, if you can confect that, you've really got it made. But <laughs> yeah. I don't think the Tories could confect that. I, I'm wondering, and I wonder uh, what, what Lucy and Marcus think, whether the Labour centre and Labour right are not worried that this strategy of giving Corbyn enough rope until he hangs himself may give him the time to make procedural changes so that when the battle Marcus has just been talking about comes, mm. they won't be able to win it. And there are 62,000 new Labour members since Jeremy yeah. Corbyn. And there'll those, be more those, after this. And those aren't going to be Blairites or whatever we call them now. Those are going no. to be Corbyn supporters. So Labour is moving further away from moderates. You, you, you agree, Marcus? Yes, very much so. Um, and that's why it's a huge challenge for those that seek a, a Labour Party very different from this one to work out how they don't just oppose Corbyn, but persuade people to actually change their mind and side with them. And what's critical to winning that argument is to not say that everything is about winning. You can't say you have to vote this way on Trident because if you don't, we can't win the election. To do that says to people who voted for Jeremy Corbyn, I've already conceded on principle that Trident should go, but we have to have it in order to win an election. That doesn't persuade the hearts and minds of anyone. So for the Labour right, for Labour progressives, for whoever you are that isn't a Corbynista, if you're going to win the arguments to come, you're going to need to persuade, not just oppose. Yeah. Lucy, you, what's your answer to Matthew's question? I think Matthew's um, absolutely right that the rules are the key thing that Jeremy Corbyn needs to change. In, in a similar way, uh, David Cameron in, in the last parliament, he really should have got through that boundary uh, review and change. That's the key thing he missed. Um, this is what 
Jeremy Corbyn needs to do and, and act fast. And people are waking up to it. There's a great story in uh, today's Times by Sam Coates. Um, it's Tuesday's Times. Tuesday's we've been, Times. We've been talking. We are all recording on Tuesday today. Yeah. Showing uh, that both Team Corbyn and people on the right uh, and even soft left are all now looking at the rule book to see what are the rules around deposing the leader, what are the rules around changing changing the book. So. I think that is right, but I'm not as depressed as, as many of the people on the on the sort of moderate um, centrist or, or right of the party that I've been speaking to uh, here at Labour, who have been quite openly depressed and um, outspoken with their criticisms. I think this could be a chance for them to have the space to regenerate, um, bring up some new ideas, perhaps you know pronounce the end uh, of Blairism the third way, uh, and come up with something new that they can present to the public um, in, a, in a few years' time. Just before we end, um, Matthew, will be in Manchester next week for the Conservatives. What, what, what should people look forward to that? Is it going to be a victory lap? It's the first Conservative majority since 1992. The, the party should be allowed perhaps a little bit of celebration for that achievement. Will there be much else, do you think? I don't think the party should be allowed too much celebration. That, that victory has been won. I've got a bit of a sense of ladybird, ladybird, fly away home. Your house is on fire, your children are gone. Uh, the, the Tories are, are loving it down here in, in Brighton, what's happening here. But um, the universal credit system is in trouble. The health service is, is running rapidly out of money. It isn't clear that the, 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 the European negotiations are going particularly well. Government is actually struggling on a number of fronts. I don't know if you'll see that reflected at Manchester but but you ought to and you raise some big questions there are we as journalists taking our eye off the ball slightly mesmerized by what's going on in labor you could add the tax credit cuts you could add the fact that unemployment isn't falling at the pace it was there's there are a few issues there yes are we do we need to refocus well we love a story and my goodness this is a story here in Brighton <laughs> Matthew, Lucy, Marcus, thank you very, very much. We will be back next week in Manchester where the Tories will gather for their first conference in government as a majority party since uh, winning the 1992 general election. So there might be a little bit of celebration there. And I hope we will be joined by the Home Secretary, Theresa May. Thank you for listening. Thank Dave Maguire, my producer. Goodbye. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
a blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW.